Hey y'all, here is a quick ad before we jump into the episode. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it does not have to be. With Zencaster, you have a whole tool that can make remote podcasting that much easier. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcast production suite that gives you studio-quality audio and video without needing all the tech-savvy know-how. It records each guest locally, then uploads the crystal clear audio and video right into the suite so you can have the high quality raw materials that you want to work with. This works really great when my guest is talking and Preston just won't stop barking. I'm able to just cut out his barks and keep all of my guest audio. To access Zencaster and all its tools with a 30% off coupon, go to zen.ai forward slash coffee combos that's z-e-n dot a-i forward slash c-o-f-f-e-e-c-o-n-v-o-s and type in the promo code coffee combos that's c-o-f-f-e-e-c-o-n-v-o-s for 30% off for three All right, welcome back, Coffee and Combo listeners. I am your host, Liz, and this is my podcast where I talk about politics, wellness, and activism with friends, leaders in the community, and just other great conversationalists. In this episode, the theater kid inside of me is jumping for joy because not only are we talking about the theater, but we are talking about an amazing story that is right on time for Black History Month. So um, I will just jump in and say, Welcome, Cedric, David, and Dennis. How are you? Fantastic. Doing well, thank you. Thank you. Welcome, welcome to you as well. <laughs> welcome to us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very awesome. I'd like to, you know, start off by asking everyone, are you a coffee? Are you a tea person? You know, like, what is your favorite drink? So as you introduce yourself, tell us what <laughs> is that perfect cup that's going to get you through the day? Um, I will start with you, Cedric. What about you? And please okay. introduce yourself. Oh, all right. So my name is Cedric Darius. I am originally born and raised here in New York City. And um, I played the character of Spencer E. Sykes in Port Chicago 50. And I am a tea kind of guy. I know I'm not, I'm going to go traditional. Yeah, I am... I Lipton tea. I'll do that. You know, I know some people may laugh and say, you know, who drinks Lipton, but I'll drink Lipton tea with Listen, I got my Lipton right here today. Oh, see, okay. So we, right, right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So nothing wrong with the classic. Um, what about you, uh, uh David? Uh please introduce yourself in coffee or team tea. Well, I'm David Shackleford. Uh I am the uh actor and uh, co-writer of Port Chicago 50. Um, also, I love coffee. Ice, actually, iced coffee is one of the best things in the morning for me because I do work out. And so right after, I like to get a cup of iced coffee, put some cream and sugar in there and, you know, just relax and chill, you know, and get started with my day. So that's where I'm at. I'm the coffee guy. Okay. So we got like classic. We got chill. Okay. Dennis, what is it? Coffee, tea, and please introduce yourself. I'm Dennis Rowe co-writer, um, director, producer. And actually, I love coffee. I have some coffee here. <laughs> okay. When you ran to get your tea, I ran to get 
actually I was going to get some tea, but I got coffee. I love coffee, but it doesn't always agree with my stomach. So I have to drink tea. <laughs> and I'm kind of splurging a little with the coffee thing because it's close to afternoon. Actually, it's afternoon here. And so sometimes I'll drink it later in the day. So if it you know messes me up, then it won't be the whole day. At least it'll be a little portion of the day. So, so we, we got a practical coffee drinker over here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But give me a nice cup of tea. I'm on. I love it. All right. So kind of 50-50 there. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll give it to you. <laughs> so again, welcome. And I, I am really excited for you to share the story of Port Chicago 50 because I have never heard of the story. And I, I know there's listeners out there like, what? How does this go along with Black history and all of this? So can you please, you know, um, Dennis, would you like to share what is this story about? Well, you actually hit the nail on the head in that you had you haven't heard of it. And likewise, I hadn't heard of it. David hadn't heard of it. And um, I was being nosy, just to kind of give you a little background on how it kind of came about. I was being nosy. Um, we're here at church. And um, the secretary here had a brochure on her desk. And the brochure was about, she was part of an organization that used to give dinners um, in tribute to men that were in um, in the service during World War II, and they were part of the blast that happened. And I was like, "What is this? Yeah, a blast? You know what? What? What are you talking about? You know?" She said, "Well, why don't you read it? You know, find it out for yourself." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, well, I'll do that." And so it's called the Port Chicago Blast of 1944. Port Chicago was not in Chicago. As most of us thought, it's actually, it was actually in California, um, close to San Francisco. And it was a small town. It was a, a, a naval uh, munitions base where they loaded ammunitions onto the ships to support World War II. And they primarily used African-American sailors that they did not train to handle bombs. One of the bombs blew up or two of the bombs blew up, we don't know. Um, it killed over 300 sailors, mm. of which 202 were African-American. Um, afterwards, the remaining uh, living Black sailors were expected to go back to work under the same conditions. And ultimately, 50 of them said, no, you know, we'll go back, but you need to train us this time so that that doesn't happen again. And if you know anything about 1944, well, even today, you don't tell the service no. But especially in 1944, during the time of, you know, racial tension, injustice, well, there's still racial tension, there's still injustice, which is very interesting. But back then, it was like crazy, crazy. And so you definitely didn't tell um, anybody no. And so um, those 50 men were ultimately court-martialed tried and convicted of mutiny. Wow. And so the play is about that event, but more so about the men, their hopes, their dreams, you know, um, before, during, and after the blast. That's it in a nutshell. Very interesting. And uh, 
you know, David and Dennis, you co-wrote the this uh, version of the play that we uh, will be air, um, that will be on stage soon. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. We did. We co-wrote. It took us six months to uh, do the research. We talked to uh, several of the families because uh, the men are no longer with us, and so we talked. We got a chance to talk to uh, different families. I got a chance to meet the son of the gentleman who did get a pardon from President Clinton in 99. Wow. He didn't get exonerated, but he got a pardon. And so I got a chance to talk to his son and, you know, get some insight into who the uh, the man was, because uh, he, was he wasn't a character, he was a man. So I got a chance to get some insight into him and who he was. And um, it was very enriching, very, uh, very- Lightning. Yeah, lightning, I mean, very enlightening. And I was just, yeah, I, I, was, I was in love with the story, so. Six months. <laughs> that that's amazing. And you know, before I ask you, Cedric, about how is it to you know play, you know, like like David said, these these real people. You know, David, tell us a little bit more about you know speaking to the the son of this person and like hearing that experience. Like, how was that? Well, it was. I mean, talking to the son, it was very surreal. I, I wanted to make sure that I was representing his father in a uh, very right manner, a uh, manner that uh, he appreciated, and on just tell the truth of the story and who he was. So it was very, it was surreal to meet him afterward. He was very gracious, very happy. Um, I knew he wanted this story to get out, as the other uh, family members of the other man that we represent, they, you know, they want the story to be out there. So yeah, for me, it was it was surreal. Actually, when we did the show um, originally. Um, the first time we did it, it was a 45 minute to an hour show. And we did it as a tribute to uh, the sailors and some of the living offsprings. And so we invited several offsprings actually. And um, it was, we did, we did an anniversary of the blast July 17th, because that's when the blast originally happened, 1944. Mm. And so we did it. Uh, July 17, uh, 2015. 2015. And they came to the show. Several of them came to the show. And what, what was so amazing is that they really didn't know or really couldn't understand, you know, wrap their brain around what actually happened. And so seeing it really made it real to them, you know. And in some cases, especially in Freddie's case, um, the son was never told about it, that his father was actually a part of this event because his father didn't want the stigma mm. to be attached to his son. And so he never told him. His son actually walked in on an interview and that's how he heard that his father was a part of this whole event. So him actually seeing the play, seeing what happened, seeing how it unfolded, Really, he came back like three or four times because he was right. just, you know, amazed right. by it. And he brought some of his family members so that they could see what their uh, grandfather or whoever it was um, had been a part of. And we had one gentleman that came. He was born July 17th, 1944. Hmm. Never saw his dad because right. his dad died in the blast. No. And he, as he was telling the story, he was just bawling. As was everybody in the audience. Right. Okay. Right. We were all on the floor like, oh my God, are you kidding? 
it was unbelievable, you know? And so what we have found is that every time we do it, um, especially when we did it up, you know, up north uh, in the Bay Area, which was close to where the event happened, there was a lot of people that have been a part of Port Chicago, either working there or had relatives or, you know, distant people that were a part of it. They would come see the show and they would share stories with us. And so it's been an, an, a very interesting journey uh, with people um, that either have never heard of the story or that kind of heard of the story and relived it with us just a really good example of like the power of storytelling right mm -hmm. and like so many times like stories don't get passed on because like of the stigma or just the pain associated but just it, the power of knowing your history of knowing like our history as African Americans and you know there's so much untold history and in so many untold heroes and stories and so um, before I just dig deeper um, and, and ask you more questions, just thank you for, for sharing this story. And um, Cedric, how is it for you, you know, kind of like what it said, like, these are real people. I think we get so used to when we consume content and things, it's like, these are actors and these are stories, but these are real people. So how was it playing Spencer? And can you let us know a little bit about who, who is Spencer? Yeah, so Spencer... Uh, Sykes and his middle name is actually Everson. So for me, it was more, you know, doing a lot of character development and research. So I was able to find a lot of detailed information. You know, he was born on um, August 10th, 1924, and he ended up dying April 20th, uh, 2004. And he had two children. He lived in, um, in the Bay Area. Uh, his son was also named Junior, Spencer E. Sykes Jr. He was named after him. Um, but for me, especially with a living character, how I uh, approach each role, especially with the living characters, is what I want. What I'd normally do is prayer. So spiritually, body, and then trying to get everything first because at first it starts for me with prayer. Mm -hmm. Because only God is the one that can be able to provide me with all of the details that I need in order to be able to portray Spencer in the way that the most authentic way that I could. Because I couldn't do on my own. I didn't want to make up anything. I didn't want to do anything of, of that was not authentic or to the script and what uh, David and Dennis had brung and written. So that's it for me. I always go to prayer and then I do things in my body, getting in shape. He was in the, in the, he was in the Navy. So I'm sure he got in shape. So there were several times when myself and David and a couple other guys, you know, we would start doing some uh, pushups before the shows, you know, we would start doing some things to get ourselves, you know, in, in right standing, you know, but, and it also not just prior to shows, but also outside on our own per personally, you know, we were doing a lot of exercising, we were working out, so that's what it comes to me, you know, doing first starting definitely with God and getting in, in, in position to where I can hear and start learning from him on what to do in, in these particular moments, these roles who are especially with live characters. Absolutely. That's like a good a reminder of like the layers, not only right. of just like character development, but 
of these people, right? Like right. The, the different layers, right? They were more than just military. They were more than just African-Americans. Like they're just, they're all these different things that, you know, was lost on that day of this explosion. Um, and, and, you know, to your point, you talk about wanting to be like authentic to these, these living people. Right. And it seems from like the reaction of the family members that there was this authenticity that was felt. And so, you know, from, from kind of like the acting standpoint, and then I'll kind of piggyback to y'all from like just writing, how does it feel to have someone else notice that authenticity or, or feel that, you know, um, how is that for you um, kind of like the receiving end? I think it was very important to us to begin with that we got the story right. Yeah. You know, we wanted, we tried to be very careful that we didn't copy anybody's uh, material. So there's several books that's out about the event. There was a movie out years and years ago. I never watched it. Mm -hmm. I never read a book. <laughs> so it was, in, it was important that we did our own research and that we talked to people and got the story right. Um, so it required a lot of research on our part and, and being open to talking, talking to people mm -hmm. and being open to maybe possibly getting it wrong a little. So we have to adjust, which we did with one of the characters, actually, the character of Betty, uh, Betty Reed Saskin, I believe. Yeah, Saskin, yes. Yeah. She is the oldest living park ranger alive today. Wow. 100 years old then? yeah i think 101 i think yeah 101 she's still working yes <laughs> she got a she got a medal of freedom or medal of honor i think from uh from president clinton or if i'm not mistaken um a while back so uh, yeah, she's the oldest living very lovely lady yeah and so we invited her to the show when we uh did it up north and she came and come to find out we had a few things wrong and so uh, we talked to her, we went up and we talked to her and she explained to us what, you know, really happened and where we were off a little. And so we adjusted the script because we wanted to be authentic. We wanted to be real. We wanted to make sure we got it right. That's very important to us. And we tell the actors, we ask the actors to do their own research. Mm. And uh, because we did the show here a lot in LA. And so it was important for us that the New York actors didn't necessarily copy the LA actors and that we didn't pigeonhole them into what the LA actors did so that they could bring their own interpretation from doing our own research. That was really important to us. Yeah. And Cedric actually did. Cedric actually, <laughs> he came with stuff that we didn't know. <laughs> we were How like, was more Cedric? <laughs> How much like, research did you do? <laughs> I did a lot. Like, know that. <laughs> right. I did a lot of research on Spencer and also Port Chicago in, in, in general. I mean, I did hours and hours of trying to find documents on him. Um, and you know, these are all public these are all public records. You know, uh, when he entered the service, uh, he was also in the Korean War afterwards. Um, but there's still some questions that I do have. And if I were able to get in contact with his son, then I would possibly be able to get some of those, you know, questions that I do have answered. So um, hopefully, you know, God willing, that will, uh, you know, I'll have that opportunity. 
because there's some still some gaps in a couple of things, you know, from the research that I've done. Question for you. Like, do you find that like doing the research, it helps you be more immersed in the character and the story. It seems like you all have this connection to these people. Yes, because that's one of the first things that I've that you learn in acting 101. One of the first things that you learn is character development. Of course, you know, you know, we learn breathing and certain different exercises and whatnot, but it's all about character development. It's all about backstory and building. Because if you have nothing to build on, then there's nothing to build the character on, ultimately. Mm -hmm. So it, to me, that's very important. That's one of the first things you do. It's, you do that before memorizing lines. You do that before you know, trying to bring some, because what, what we do necessarily, what we have a tendency on doing, especially when we get a script, is acting it out immediately as soon as you right. get it, you know? And trying to do certain accents and, but you're losing what is actually being said and written on the paper, what the two characters are being doing in that moment, the scene, the beats. There's so many things that you're missing because you're just trying to read and act. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it's about. It's about building and developing the character first, prior to everything else. And then the layers will add itself. Everything will start falling into place. Absolutely. We were actually very blessed. Uh, we've had several casts um, and you know some cast members go and we have to replace them. But we've been very blessed that we've had actors that not only believe in the story, but have done the work. Mm -hmm. You have to do the work. Right. And they've done the work. They've done, you know, the research, um, development, uh, everything that it really requires to really bring a real character to life. And so we've been very blessed that we've had those kind of actors that have not taken it from granted and have not been afraid to do the work. Mm. It's a requirement, actually. <laughs> I mean, Cedric hit it, you know, hit the nail on the head. You just can't get up there and yeah, I mean, you can, but it's not going to have depth right. that it can have if you really do the work and understand the character. And what I love as a director, sorry to keep going on and on, and on but <laughs> what, what I love as a director is to be challenged. You know, I like that you have new, um, new ideas, that you have new blood, so to speak. Because with that new blood comes a freshness, comes new revelations, new ideas, and they will challenge you. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And it's like, well, you know what? I didn't really think about that. Let's think about it. Let's talk about it. And I love it. I, I really, really do. Yeah. Well, it's kind of on the same vein, right? Uh, before we were talking, this show has evolved a little bit. So can you take us from where it started as a skit to where it is now for people who are, I know they're on the edge of their seat, like how do I see this? So please walk us through the evolution. Well, the evolution started, we started with the skit of just uh, my character that I played, Freddie Meeks. Um, we started with that, him talking to a reporter, which actually happened about the event and, and him telling the story. Uh, we started from there, that snippet, and we got a great response, like Dennis said earlier from the church, uh, from many different people that this needs to be a full length play. So from there we went, we, you know, like I said, we did our research and we uh, created the full length play and we small little theater, you know, small little theater 
where we started at very uh, minimal props. Uh, and so from there, we just kept building on uh, each character. As we heard more, like we, like Dennis said, we spoke to uh, Betty Reed Tuskin. And so things just start to, you know, stories start to uh, come to us. Uh, Betty told us some things. There's another gentleman, uh, Eddie Hart. Uh, his father uh, was, I think, was close to the blast. But he told a story about uh, a young lady who was pregnant, who, or actually several young ladies who were who were looking for their husbands. And a couple of them were pregnant, of course. But they were looking for their husbands, and they were at the gate, and they couldn't find their husbands. And so uh, in the retelling of the story, I think his father told him this story. It was very sad because they would go to the gate looking for their husbands, flyers and things like that but you know they were they were dead in the blast so we incorporated that into the play and uh it's 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 amazing it it has it has become a uh a force of nature uh, as we go along and we plan on you know keep adding things as we hear more things we'd like to like you said earlier be authentic to the story so uh you know we're open for uh, if there is a story that we hear We'll open and figure out how to incorporate it. I love that. I love that. And kind of in thinking about that and in thinking about how information wasn't shared, right? And how, you know, they're standing there waiting for their loved ones and all these things. And there's a lot of components that are a little sad. Is this a, a sad story? What kind of story is this? Well, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> Um, it's a it's a dramatic story, but it has a lot of humor in it because it has a lot of heart. Mm. And, and and we talk about different cast members, right? So this particular version is probably more humorous than some of the other versions because of the uh, two actors that play opposite each other. They just um, with their characters, they found something a little bit different than previous actors. And so we went with it. And so this show has is a balance of some humor in it, um, a lot of drama. So you gonna cry now, you gonna <laughs> cry. Okay. You will not leave the theater the same, the same way you came in. Right. But you're gonna also laugh. And you're gonna, um, you, you will witness, you will journey with these guys so you'll get a chance to see what their hopes, their dreams, what they're angry about, um, all of that. You'll, see, you'll journey with them as we celebrate their lives because to us, they're heroes. Yeah. They're heroes. And so we pay tribute to them and you'll have a good time. It's gonna be a roller coaster. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but you'll love it. So We've had a lot of people that come back to the show. Actually, Cedric, Mr. New York, <laughs> he's had people that have seen the show, what, three, four times? Cedric? About that, yeah. And they're going to, on his next run, it'll probably be six and seven. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because what happens is, you know, have you seen, have you gone to this movie, the, a great movie, and you're like, oh, my God, I missed some stuff. You know, you have to go back because mm -hmm. it's just so much information. And right. you're so enthralled with it that you miss little nuggets, little gems, you know, and you go back and each time you go back, you get something else. Right. That's what happens with Port Chicago 50. 
<laughs> Listen, just a couple more questions because I'm ready to get my my ticket. So before come I ask on you now. About come this, on, get your ticket. <laughs> before I ask you about where can we get tickets, second, tell yeah. us a little bit from the acting perspective. Like, how is it right? So we know it's a roller coaster, you know, from the actor's perspective. How is it? you know, coming in and showing all those emotions? Are you exhausted by the end? Are you inspired? How is that for, for y'all? Well, that's interesting because there are a couple of times when there are so many different layers and levels to the show and it's up and down and up and down. And there was a scene where, and I want to give away too much, where there's an altercation. And at the end of the scene, I left the theater hurt my back was hurting and i was like dave i don't know you got to be careful i was bruised <laughs> up you know because there's so much going on there's so much intensity um and it's interesting that you asked the question about you know what we have to deal with in the emotional part of it because i grew up here in new york city and in this play you deal with a lot of colorism mm. not and within even our own our own groups and for me, growing up here in New York City and going to school, I was always called white boy. Mm. I was always called, you weren't black. So because of what I look like. And so this is something. So with that, I had to channel that energy from when I was younger right, into right. this character because I dealt with even Spencer deals with that because he's light skinned. He has nice hair. If you look at his pictures. And so he had to deal with the colorism. He had to deal with what he looked like. And so, and of course, he got special treatment, you know, because of his look. So for me, I had to channel that energy from when I was younger to now, because I dealt with that as well as myself. So, but other than that, there's a lot of levels to this play. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's parts where, like, as Dennis said, you're going to cry. And there's parts where you're going to laugh, you know, so definitely it's a, you know, we suggest that everyone come out, not just one time, multiple times. I mean, I can see why there, there's so many levels. And like you touched upon earlier, there's so many things that, you know, they weren't just in the 44, we're still dealing with them now. And so um, you can tell from, from all of you, like the passion and how the research and how the story has impacted you. And so I'm very excited. So please, how do we get our tickets? When is this um, airing? Please tell us the details. Well, I'm going to throw in a little nugget for all the ladies out there. <laughs> <laughs> so only because Cedric touched on it. He says, how I looked. <laughs> ladies, there's some fine gentlemen in the show. <laughs> ladies, you hear it. Listen, Valentine's is coming up. So listen. <laughs> And David actually shows his his muscle. Yeah, he shows his little chest. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, what, well, you what, said what, there was what, some laughs in the there. story. There, we have some laughs in the story. So here's the laughs. Right. Right. There's something. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have to have a good time. You got to. Right? You have to have a good time. And again, we have to be authentic. So right. remember, these guys are in. Um, um, where are you guys at? In the barracks. In the barracks, excuse me. They're in the barracks. So you know what happens in the barracks. They got to take their shirt off every once in a while. You have to be authentic. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. Okay. I, hey, we got we have fun. 
you know, and again, we 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 enjoy it, and and it's important that the cast enjoy what they're doing, and so I stress that it's not just work, but let's enjoy the journey as we celebrate these guys. So the show opens February twenty third. That's a preview. The official opening is February twenty fourth. Okay, that's in like two three weeks. Mm-hmm. So. It's a it's a limited run. Um, the theater is a small theater. It's not a huge theater. It's not 2,000 seats. So you, you can't wait to get your tickets. You must get them now. I suggest you run to the box office or at least run to the website. And the <laughs> website is Theater Row, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, Row, R-O-W, dot org and you can get those tickets there there's a phone number i need to pull it up and i forgot i don't have it in front of me it's all right but theater, it will be in the yeah. uh, show notes so when you get it just send it over and it will be in the show notes so y'all get your tickets i know beyonce uh tickets is on sale but you won't, don't want to miss this one either that's right well listen <laughs> you're gonna get a beyonce i can't, can't say anything about beyonce show but you're going to get quite a show with this show and at a reasonable rate. The <laughs> tickets are only $45. And that oh, includes... that's very reasonable. Thank you. You know, Broadway shows are 125 whatever. And so this is $45 including the restoration fee. Okay. If you purchase online, if you call, then there's an additional charge. Um, opening night is $75 because you get a chance to really talk to the cast. And you also get a couple of more benefits. And so who wouldn't want to be there on opening night, right? <laughs> right. But yes, tickets are available now. Theaterroad.org. Fantastic. Again, listeners, that will be in the episode show notes. So if you missed it, do not worry. Just click the, the show notes and you'll have all the links and numbers and all of that. Um, you all, before I ask my last question, uh, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Like anything that you want to share? Um, Cedric, I'll start from you, right? Like, is there anything, you know, that you want to tell the, 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 the listeners about the show, whether from the acting perspective, the story perspective, what would you like to leave them with? As you said earlier, during the beginning of this, the show, this is Black history. And too many times, I can only imagine, and I was thinking about this some time ago, I can only imagine how many of our stories have been swept under the rug or have been, you know, died away with the individuals that passed. So this is something that we want to continue. We want to bring this on. And we are looking to bring this to Broadway and not just Broadway, but also all over the country and possibly the world. This is a story that needs to be told. So if you can... If whatever we need to do, what we're trying now to get it out, it's going to happen. So we're just thinking positive and we have to get the story out. So, mm -hmm. and that's something that we don't, we need to continue with our stories. And this is black history, you know, and as we look at what uh, Governor DeSantis is trying to do in, mm -hmm. in Florida, is trying to just suppress our history, but we can't, we can't let anyone, you know, suppress what we have and what we need to speak. Absolutely. David, what about for you? I'm right. Well, actually, I'm right along. I'm right along with Cedric, because uh, I feel like Black history is American history. You know, and um, just come with your with your uh, 
your uh, what your napkin or handkerchief because you're going to laugh, you're going to cry. And I, I want the audience to leave with with a, a story they never heard before, but also just an American dream that they can achieve, that they can continue to strive, no matter their race, nationality, whatnot, gender, that they can, you know, they're an American and they can push forward just like these 50 men did. And so, uh, yeah, just to get ready to cry and laugh. Lovely. And Dennis, what about you? What do you want to leave us with? Well, actually, they said pretty much all. I mean, it's it's uh, a show for everyone. I think a lot of times because we do stress that the show is about African-American men, um, that is just for a Black audience. No, it is American history, and it's a show for everybody, that they everybody can relate. And it's a show that's paying tribute to our national heroes um, before us who paved the way for other people, you know, other generations. And I think it's important that we remember that and we pay honor to them. And so that's what we're trying to do. Um, I will say also, we didn't really touch on it, and I'm going to do it very quickly. Uh, we talked about the men not being exonerated. And so there is a bill in Congress to try to get the 50 men exonerated. Uh, now, Fred, uh, Freddie, was, Freddie Meeks was pardoned, but he wasn't exonerated. <clears throat> so there's a political aspect to it. You know, people may not be politically minded, which is okay. Um, there's the entertainment sec uh, part of it. Um, there's the social justice part of it, um, but there's also the political aspect of it. So we are moving forward with several missions for this show. Absolutely. And we need your support. We can't do it alone. We have to support each other. We have to support great stories. So we're looking for everybody to come out in New York. You can even come from Connecticut. Listen, theater show. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make my way up there because it, it's an amazing story. It truly is. And, and again, the, the the power of storytelling, right? Like, you know, the, these are our heroes, right? That they are untold heroes that they don't have to be untold, right? Everyone right. should hear about this, right? You know, we always talk about uh, innocent people are locked up. Well, here's a really great example of like people that stood up for what was right, they wanted uh, fair treatment, and and it you know they ended up in jail, and you know politics it, it runs through everything, right? So even in the creative, and you know, uh, listeners, I always like to tell you, right? How can you use your your power to create change? Listen, yeah. like this is a great example of how they use creativity to say, I want to get this story out, and I hope that it inspires you to say. What is your thing? What is your talent? What is your way of, of creating change? Because even if it's in the creative, you have the power to do so. So um, again, thank you all. And I have one last question and it's called what's in your cup. So this is where I ask my listeners and my guests, you know, what are three things that you need to brighten up your day, have a great weekend, whatever. And so as you think of your answer, I'll give you mine. So the three things that I need to have a great day, well, like after hearing this, I'm definitely adding laughter to my cup, right? Having just joy and laughter, even when there's like sad times or times that aren't so great, laughter is just a powerful tool. Um, I'm also adding hope because I have such hope hearing about the story and hearing about these people and how they've inspired you. I feel inspired. 
Um, and I think I'm going to binge watch some TV with friends, right? Like you got me in this like creative space. I want to consume some great content. So uh, for me to have a great rest of the day, I'm adding laughter, hope, and just movie time with friends. Um, Cedric, what are three things that you need to have a great day today? Okay. For me, for one, is definitely number one is God's word. Mm -hmm. The two is servant leadership because I have to serve. I have a heart for servant leadership. And three is these two gentlemen right here. These are my guys right here. I mean, I feel like I've known them forever. And the, you know, I totally appreciate these two gentlemen for bringing me on to be a part of this opportunity. And it's just been nothing but uphill, you know, with them. And so I love these gentlemen, like they're my brothers. So again, these guys right here, I love them. And I just wanted to shout them out because the Bible says, give honor to where honor is due. And so Amen. I give them honor. I give them their flowers now. Not when they're thank gone. You, thank now. you. Thank you. I, I need my flowers. <laughs> David, what about you? What do you need to have a great day today? Well, first, let me say, Cedric, I really appreciate that, brother. We appreciate you as well, you know, and we love you as well. Uh, for me, I got to have prayer. I, I got to get up and pray. You know, that's the source uh, for me. Prayer, a good workout, because <laughs> I love, you know, working out. Uh, prayer, a good workout, and just you know, peace, you know, inner peace. Um, looking out for my my brother here, my brother here, you know, and just, just peace, because a lot of people are dealing with mental health issues right. and uh, it's, it's a, it's a serious thing. So I like to ask people, you know, how's your mental health? How's, you know, things going with you, you know, and just checking in. So those are things I like to go with to start my day. Fantastic. Dennis. Well, meditation. Um, I have to start with some kind of meditation, um, talking to God, um, reading his word um, and just taking that in meditation, quiet time, and centering myself, that's very important. And once I have that, and maybe some tea, <laughs> a nice cup of tea, hot tea, okay, will start me on my day. And then what's really important to me um, is friends and family, you know, not necessarily whichever order, uh, surrounding myself with a good group of people. Um, I think that's really important because it keeps you uh, grounded. It keeps you focused. And it takes some time for me. It takes the emphasis off me mm. and my little problems. <laughs> okay. Because if you're dealing with other people and you're putting the emphasis on Cedric used the word servant. So if you're if you're putting the emphasis on them and their needs and their hopes and trying to encourage them and uplift them, then it'll take it off for yourself and the problems that you have. And so that's important to me. Y'all better so. preach on this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you all so much. Um, listen, I'm going to see about getting my ticket. Y'all better get yours before they are sold out. Um, have a wonderful rest of your day, y'all. And thank you so very much. Thank, thank you so much.